Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. Hey, this is Josh. It is Tuesday, April 12th. April, May. Oh, wow. I'm a month behind. That's the first time we've done that, actually, I think. Yeah. I would have thought after like two, whatever years, I don't know how many years it's been. <laughs> you've been doing it longer. I was talking well, about that. I was like, I don't even know how long it's been going on anymore. Josh has been doing the podcast for 15 years. It's the excuse that <laughs> all time and space is gone. Yeah. It does feel like it could still be April. Like it's still a little like kind of nippy out there. You know, like it's nice, but. Well, it's there's... bizarre because like the last real day of. Actually, it's not... it wasn't even the last real day because I realized recently we were chatting about House of Targ. Mm-hmm. So March 15th is the day that we shut down. And that was a Sunday. And my normal routine, where I like working Sunday afternoons, is because House of Targ does Sunday brunch. Oh, yeah. Which is, that's the only time they do it all week, right? Like, dif- yeah. different than pierogies. Exactly, yeah. So if you're a regular eater, you can go in and get eggs and bacon and all that stuff. Mm. Or if you're like myself, they make a vegan pierogi brunch with toast and fruit, and it's great. So that's my normal routine. So I realized that wasn't even a normal day for me because Targ had closed down the night before. So I didn't get my brunch that day, and that's when the dominoes started yeah, happening. Yeah, and we of, had to work that yeah, Sunday. So and we were the last two to work here. You were working on no brunch. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. <laughs> so it's been almost two months since normalcy. Yeah. It's, it's been what, what almost, day is it really? The 12th? It is Tuesday, May the 12th. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, <laughs> just to be sure. Wait, so that means that the Friday... Or no, wait, no, shoot. I was going to say, so Friday will be the 15th, and it'll be exactly the day. And I was like, no, it was Friday the 13th that we stopped. So Yeah, because Friday the-, the 13th was a normal day for us. Saturday the 14th was a normal day. But those were even tiptoeing towards insanity because those were days of starting to put up COVID signs, yeah. starting to let people know to wash their hands and not come if they're sick, mm-hmm. encouraging people to sit separately, putting, I think, what was it? It's all a blur. Like, yeah, it was like 250, something like that. Like our capacity is 325. Mm-hmm. But other provinces started doing a thing of saying whatever, 200 or 250 yeah. for a small gathering. So we instigated that as well. Mm-hmm. Put up a sign saying that. So, yeah, that's why it's so weird now, because it's been two months that the old girls have been empty. <laughs> and now it's actually been the Friday the 13th, 40th anniversary, which is what we were celebrating. Yeah. Which I think was a few days ago. It or was. Something. Yeah. Because I mentioned it on the social medias. Mm-hmm. That we got a head start doing it on the Friday 13th that Thank passed. God. <laughs> and that, if I remember correctly, November 2020, mm-hmm. we'll be able to start into our mad scientist plan yeah. of doing a Friday the 13th film festival that I completely forget the timeline, but will cover seven years, I think. It was so, yeah, I thought we see, we seem so quaint when we were talking about that. It's, yeah. so, it's like years ago <laughs> now where we're like, it'll be fun. It's every whatever month because it's summer two a year and summer, I think just one a year even. Yeah, there's one a year at least yeah. always and on a rarity three a year, Ooh. but the average is two. So our plan, and I told Lee about this. I said, I think this is a funny idea that since we did the first one for the 40th anniversary mm-hmm. and we kind of always forget about which ones we haven't screened, <laughs> let's just consider this a reboot. Yeah. So starting in 2020, we will screen parts one and two mm-hmm. and then we'll go all the way through and six or seven years from now screen <laughs> the remake. Yeah. And well, and by the time we play nine again, hopefully it'll have an even bigger audience because when well, we played it like two years ago, maybe now, like yeah, the, and it, did really it was a well. good audience. Like yep. people were loving it. And I find that that Jason goes to hell if for anyone who's not following, I find that that's really a lot more appreciated of 
I don't know if I want to say any of them, but it just that got so much hate for so long that it's just yeah. it's really cool just to see that people can come out and like it. And the director is a really nice guy, like a big movie geek. And I always felt so bad for people like that, you know, who put their time into this and, and really care about what they're doing. And then the studio kind of maybe butchers it or you don't have all that control kind of thing. And then they just have 20 years plus or however long it's been of people being like, you made the worst. This is terrible. I don't even acknowledge this one. And you're just like, oh, I was just trying to have fun, guys. <laughs> That's why you and I would be the best, worst Siskel and Ebert, because 99% of the time it would be, well, the movie wasn't good and it didn't really come together, but mm. everybody tried really hard and the director's a nice person yeah. and I like the actors and it had some good cinematography, so five stars. Yeah, and it's got, I mean, it's the, probably the goriest of them for like the unrated versions. So I always found it a bit funny that fans of a genre, or, well, yeah, a genre, but also a series that's kind of predominantly known for its kills, um, you know, among a few other things, but mainly that, that has always turned on it. And, you know, and you get the Freddy glove too, you yeah. get the Necronomicons in there, like it's a bit of everything fun. But it's just, I don't know what it was, just the venom towards that movie. Maybe even more than part five. It's just wild. Well, fans are, and not all, I never blanket think that a fan base is all the same. Mm -hmm. Because for every lunatic who's saying horrible things online, there's thousands and thousands of awesome people who love genre or love mm -hmm. whatever subgenre it is and don't spend hours of their lives putting hateful things online or mm -hmm. whatever but fans are tough and it's it's always funny where it seems now say a franchise like star wars or star trek or whatever that it's people who claim their fans are the ones who have hated it for decades yeah and you're like well maybe it's fine but maybe you're just not a fan anymore you know yeah and i, I do like that there are these parts of various franchises you know whatever it may be that do get love after a while you know it takes a long time sometimes but it, it is cool to see stuff like like, oh, I like Pumpkinhead 2, Bloodwings, you know, kind of thing, where nobody's saying it's as good as the original or it's better or something like that. But just, it is kind of heartening. I know you and I probably feel the same way about that, to see some love or like Critters 3 or something like that, you know, yeah. where it's just, it gets so much hate for so long. And you can finally just step back and be like, hey, it's just a movie. It's just entertain. It's trying to entertain. It's the best thing about companies like Shout Factory. Yeah, who definitely. Who will put out the most obscure weird little movies and there's something to be said for enjoyment nostalgia in a good way nostalgia in a bad way is when some horrible politician is like the good old days and you're <laughs> like yeah the good old days for you are when a large part of the population still couldn't vote or yeah. women were treated horribly or black folks had to go to different <laughs> washrooms like, yeah. oh, like those aren't the good old days <laughs> the positive nostalgia is when you could look back on something and go there's a difference between, I don't know, what is it's a difference between objectively great, mm -hmm. where you look at something and go, that meets all this criteria, or you just liked it. And so there's nothing wrong with saying, I love the movie The Wizard. I know it's a 90-minute commercial for a video <laughs> game, but I saw it at a certain age with my friends when Nintendo was in the air, yeah. and it was a summertime fun movie, and so you have a nostalgic embracing of that and so you can clock those movies down the ages and it's whenever a middle-aged person or an older person rolls their eyes at something silly like space jam i was literally about <laughs> uh, when you were done i was gonna go it's just like space, space jam because now there's people who say are half of my age who genuinely love space jam because they saw it when they were four years old yeah that's the same for i remembered that 
Disney Plus show I was watching that we finished. There's only eight episodes called Prop Culture. We finally, I was so mad it wasn't called Mad Props. Mad but props. I was like, yeah, Prop Culture, <laughs> that prop is culture. good. You forget, especially when a movie is coming gone, and when it came out in an era where box office wasn't as widely known, mm-hmm. like up until very recently, I mean, there's still people who don't know what a grip is or don't know what a boom operator does. And that's fine because I could look at a restaurant I love and I don't know the fill in the blanks of certain things behind the scenes <laughs> the, there. The, the gaffer version of a line cook. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But you look at Tron, which looking at it 35, 40 years deep, you would assume, oh, that must have been a big hit because it's still kind of out there. It's still in the culture. People, it's on Blu-ray, it's on Disney. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you see it on the occasional nerd t-shirt or lunchbox or whatever. Like it's out there still. And then you watch this documentary about it, about the props in it. And it was a giant flop. It ruined careers. <laughs> the poor director who, in an alternate universe, if the box office would have went up instead of down for him, everybody was praising this movie like it was going to be the new Star Wars because it was early 80s. The star, Bruce Boxleitner, I know, because a friend of mine talked with him once doing a bad TV movie here in town. There was a chance he was the next Harrison Ford. Like everyone thought Bruce Boxleitner was going to be the next big thing. Yeah. And he's had a fine career. Like, look at his IMDb page. Lots of cool stuff on there. And lots of just working stuff, which is fine, too. But the director, you look at it, and he got... He did a couple things after that, but he got put in director jail and was done. Yeah. Now, Tron has a animated series, which only lasted a year, but a sequel, which I stand corrected. I thought the sequel flopped, but it didn't. The sequel made money. Huh. It must have been, like, overseas money. I think so, yeah. I don't think it had the footprint here. And it's referenced in, what did I see it in recently? In in a couple, maybe Simpsons or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, it's on that Halloween episode they mentioned. Yeah, Tron. right. And Wreck-It Ralph. And it's just, it's out there. Mm-hmm. But that's an example of a movie that is not forgotten, has theme park rides at one of the Disney parks now, and people genuinely love it. Right. So it flopped in the day. Bad news for the director. Yeah. But I think it's more fun to, if you don't like a movie... Just let it go. Yeah. You know, just don't write a horrible blog post about it. Don't be filled with hate and just kind of move on and find something you like. There's yeah. so much out there to like. Yeah. And, it, and it's funny, even it is a weird, like, I don't know what age for Space Jam in particular it would have been the key for me, like maybe 11, because I was 14 when right. it came out. And it was just, it felt too, like, kind of babyish for me. Well, maybe not babyish, but like the animation was weird to me because I grew up on Looney Tunes, you know? And so to see that. I just had no in and I and like Michael Jordan like oh my god like he was amazing yeah and like and especially like I'm watching the last dance right now as so many people are and it's just the chills like because even if you weren't into sports you knew Michael Jordan and probably even if you didn't like him you were just in awe of him you know so to have those pairings I should have liked that you know <laughs> like well it's like I don't have the attachment to Harry Potter because I don't know how old I was when it came out but I was a grown-up yeah and I guarantee if it came out when I was 10 years old mm-hmm. And my mum or dad, when I was like six or seven years old, read it to me before bed every night. And my friends and I on the playground were talking about it. Yeah. I guarantee I'd have a tighter connection to it. But I I admit I only read the first book. And I only read the first book because I read it and I went, yeah, that was fine. But I'm not into Lord of the Rings or yeah, was- any of those kind of... I'm just not into that kind of stuff. But Gwen is all on board. Knows all the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, loves all the movies. You know, loves all the books. And... I'm not going to argue with her. I never get that. I'm not going to say like, no, you're wrong. Star Wars is better. Yeah. I just, you know, it's fine. We can like different things. So that's what, to circle back, that's what I like about nerd companies where when nerds are running the company, they can 
release a movie like Tales from the Dark Side yeah. that never made money, but has so many cool little cultural points in it, like connected to Stephen King and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and, mm-hmm. and Debbie Harry's in it, you know, and Christian Slater's in it and all these cool little things. Release that and it might not sell, it won't sell 10 million copies, but I don't know what their bottom line is, but <laughs> yeah. it sells 50,000 copies and great, there you go. Yeah, and that one's fascinating too because that was actually Creepshow 3, essentially. Like, that's what a lot of people consider Dales and the Dark Side to be the unofficial actual sequel. Someone bought the name and made a Creepshow 3, but don't look into it. Don't it's look not, into it. You don't need that in your life. <laughs> but yeah, it is cool because, it, and even that aspect, because a lot of those guys were working on monsters like that TV show and like Tales from the Dark Side, like the actual TV show as well before they spun it off. And so it's pretty cool to just to even just think of those guys were like genre heavyweights for horror, like the people involved in that show. And then to have that, yeah, like, it's weird to me to think, like, Steve Buscemi's in that, and, like, there's so, the cast is really good. And I remember, it's funny, that one I remember in particular because I was the youngest of four, and I think it was that my middle brother, I think, maybe rented it. And I remember him telling me about that movie. And just, you know, the, the wraparound story and the, you know, the gargoyle guy and the mummy, like, for sure, the, that was the one I remember... I hadn't seen it. I didn't see it for years still, but he would describe that's how I got into horror in some ways, you know, like my older siblings would be like, oh, you know, like Nightmare on the Street, whatever, you know, and then Freddy's got them on a pizza and they're screaming and you, and it's like no movie will ever be as good as that. What, what's in your head? But it's so fascinating because I was so young. I was way too young to be able to actually see that stuff. And so like to experience it through, you know, a made up version of what it actually is. And then years later to see it, it's like I say, it'll never be as good, but it is sort of funny, like just what these things can become in your mind. And then just, you know, you get a further appreciation and then we get to a point at our age where we can look back and you have a bigger scope of all this stuff, where it fits in and where it doesn't, why it works for some, why it doesn't. And yeah, it is cool to have companies that can pluck these things from the ether and give them like a collector's edition that some would argue they don't deserve. Oh yeah. And I think it's the only thing keeping blu-ray going because i know when blu-ray first came out when dvd first came out there was this real collector sense and mm. i look at some stuff on my wall and i'm like yeah i could probably get rid of that if i wanted to <laughs> but it's the blu-rays that come out that are highbrow stuff like criterion and lowbrow stuff like agfa and kind of shout factory kind of in the middle mm-hmm. and it really is the supply and demand where nerds are buying it and right. that's what keeps it going and if not for that a lot of the stuff will be gone despite so much being out there right now there's whole books of VHS movies mm-hmm. where they're just like, yeah, none of this is out. Yeah, like, even Laserdiscs, there's some yeah. stuff where it did make the jump, but that's it. Oh, yeah. And these companies working with cinemas like ours, so we will screen AGFA films mm-hmm. and Criterion films. As we speak, the real sad thing is we would have been playing a Godzilla fest right now. Oh, no. And those are all because of Criterion. So we can work hand in hand. And it's funny. Gwen's been reading a lot about this. The... What is it? If I'm getting this right, Universal is putting stuff out because the world is on lockdown. Right. And they're a business. It makes sense. So they put out the latest Trolls cartoon and it made a lot of money. So good. And they're going to do the same thing with the new Scooby-Doo movie, which I'm laughing about because I love Scooby-Doo. Are you going to watch that? I'm going to watch it here, I hope, one day. (laughs) That's it. So I don't know who the distributors, somebody out there, Mm -hmm. Cineplex, somebody, I think it was Cineplex, came out and were like, well, we're we're not going to show your movies anymore. Yeah. Which is crazy, because Universal is the Trolls franchise, Fast and the Furious, Halloween, Halloween, Jurassic Park, 
some really big yeah, stuff. There's some massive. Uh, they might even have done that new uh, like Tenet gun, the Dark Knight dude whose name I can't. Oh remember yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember Chris that. Nolan, Chris yeah, Nolan. but they like there's a couple like massive things in the pipeline. And it's kind of this insane bluff calling that has screwed them before. And I'm just sitting back, and this is complete speculation, but when we get out the other side of this, if we live in a world where Universal goes, the multiplex doesn't like us anymore, we're going to put out stuff on digital, either the same day or a week later or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to premiere Jurassic World? Do you guys want to premiere the new Trolls movie? Yeah, Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills. We'd be like, yes, please. Yeah. So that's what I think would be hilarious is because we're smaller, it would be so weird if... The big guys then team up with us little small guys. Mm -hmm. And history would repeat itself because that's what happened with Netflix. We went on a run that got interrupted of screening all these Netflix movies, whether it be The Laundromat or Uncut Gems, Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff like that. It was because the multiplex couldn't strike a deal with Netflix. We were screening this stuff while it was out on Netflix. Did fine. If we screened eight Netflix movies... Seven out of eight did really well. We were playing Parasite for five years. so I mean. Yeah, five years. <laughs> so that's something I'm really interested in to see if, say, again, I keep saying July just to jinx sure. myself. But let's say July we're back and they say, hey, do you guys want this troll movie now? We'd be like, yeah, let's try it out. Or yeah. do you guys want the new Halloween movie? We'd be like, yes. Yeah. That yeah. would be so cool. Yeah, and, and that's a lot of the speculation now is people saying exactly that, is that maybe it's independent theaters are the ones who have the last laugh because you're... Uh, like, I know AMC, I think, was one of the ones who was complaining because there was multiple... Or like Regal, maybe it was another one. Like, there's a there's at least two that were sort of like quote unquote standing up to Universal, right? And I found that yeah, it's laughable because you're not open. What yeah. do you want them to do? Like they've got all this money that is invested in these things. There's a ton more stuff coming. It's not like they're like, well, we're just gonna have these online and that's it. We're never putting out theatrical movies anymore. You know, it's just yeah. I found that to be an odd hill to die on, especially for an industry that's already suffering more so than we do because like we do have that we're able to play not just brand new stuff. You know, we can play whatever we want in some ways. Like you know, if, if someone brings something to us and it would just would never fit at a Cineplex, but we could get a hundred people for that. You know, so. Yeah, and imagine if that happens. It would be so interesting. It would almost be like kind of the bookstore thing of our friends Black Squirrel Books right across the street do very well, but the big chains, many big chain bookstores are either dying or just sell candles and pillows now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting to think that that could be a thing in our future. The same that our friendship with Netflix, maybe we'll have a friendship with Universal and on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, we'll have the new Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> yeah. But it'd be cool because that's nothing we don't normally do. We would just have a nice Merchant Ivory movie in the afternoon and a documentary movie and then Fast and Furious. Yeah. And if we were doing the premiere, the only difference would be maybe we'd have it an extra day or two than we normally would have if yeah. it had already played somewhere. And it might be something like that. Like, you guys can have it for a week, then we're going to put it out digital. Sure. And I think there would always be fans. It's the same thing as I've said this about Star Wars or whatever. If Disney said, we're putting out Star Wars, and on the exact same day, you can sit at home and for a $30 rental, watch it with all your friends, I'd be like, no, I want to go see it on the big screen. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so that, let's circle back to something Mayfair style that we can talk about. Now that the Mayfair is a streaming service video store. (laughs) How did that happen? (laughs) What the hell? It's, It's so, I don't know, is bittersweet the right word? It's been so embraced by many of our patrons and gotten nice thank yous of, thank you for 
putting this movie out that isn't available anywhere. Thank you mm-hmm. for giving us this highbrow option, whatever. <laughs> and we got our numbers back, and our numbers are very good. Wow. So thanks, everybody, if you've chipped in on that. So now we have, as we speak, four movies on our shelf at the Mayfair Video Store. <laughs> so weird. Booksellers and This Is Not a Movie, which have been out since the first. Then, since we chatted last, a dance documentary mm. with a lot of Canadian content in it called Beyond Moving was put out last Friday. It's very good. It's just a nice story of a young, talented man living in South Africa, and then he comes to Canada, and the documentary covers, God, I think like seven or eight years mm-hmm. of just him training and him being far from home and living in this crazy far-off land of Canada. So that came out last Friday, and then... Skipping a week, so you got some time to gear up for this, but on May 22nd, we have one called The Ghost of Peter Sellers. Gwen and I watched this a couple nights ago. I had no idea about this story. Fascinating. Peter Sellers in the early 70s did a pirate movie, and everything went so horribly wrong, the movie was never released, and this movie is directed by that director 40 years later, revisiting it. And seeing what went wrong and talking to people and looking through paperwork. The long and short of it is it's Peter Sellers' fault because he was a lunatic. Okay. But he may have just been a nice guy with bipolar disorder. Yeah. But there's certain things like it's okay to have a friendly argument with a creative collaborator Mm. about I'd like to change some lines or how about this? It's not okay to just not show up. It's not okay to incite a riot or lie and send in letters to the producers about stuff that the director's doing, which he didn't do. So it's just the island of Dr. Sellers, it sounds like. It it pretty much is. And you watch it and you're just like, on the best day, when you have everybody being supportive, it's really hard to make a movie. On this, you look at it and this poor guy who ended up having an okay career afterwards. He directed movies like The Changeling, and he worked on... Peter Medak? It is Peter Medak, Oh, man, I am good. So he directed The Changeling. He did TV stuff like Breaking Bad. So he did fine. But you look at this, and you're like... (laughs) You're like, he did okay. He directed some of one of the greatest shows of all time. Exactly. He directed one of the greatest horror movies of all time. And you see him, and he's so sad in this documentary about what could have been and he feels like a failure you just want to be like God. it's okay peter you did cool stuff Dude, the changeling alone is incredible like such a good movie the craze is another one that he did that's really good but so yeah he did fine but if you're at all interested in either peter sellers Man. or behind the scenes stuff or peter medic peter medic <laughs> this movie's fucking and you just watch it and you just feel so bad oh man but then it makes you think of when peter sellers did a movie with stanley kubrick that yeah. must have been a mess. Yeah. <laughs> like, because well, that's two famously difficult people. Or does it cancel each other out? Yeah, like, maybe maybe there work? was some kind of like bizarro science <laughs> experiment to it and it became like the greatest film shoot Man, of all time. But that's so weird to think. And and like everybody there's a round table at one point in the movie with like four or five directors who work with Peter Sellers and they're pretty much oh, all man. like, yeah, he was a monster. That's all. It's like when you get all your exes together or something in those <laughs> yeah. in TV shows and they're like, yeah, this is weird. And I had never heard of this movie at all. No. And, I, and I believe it's out there now. Yeah, well, because Andrew had heard of it. That's kind of, he's a good barometer for, well, I don't I, I don't know. I was going to say for people having heard of stuff, but not really. He's very deep dive. But I trust Andrew's opinion on things like this. So yeah. for him to rave about it, I'm like, yeah, it's probably good. What is funny, if you read reviews of the movie, I happen to just, my eye caught one on IMDb when I was doing a bit of research. And it's from a few years ago, I guess, when the movie finally came out on DVD. 
and it's this one star review and it's just this like this movie's a train wreck it's horrible the director should be ashamed and you feel like going like no no watch this documentary 10 years later oh man so it's so have they released any of the footage of the movie well that movie from what i understand now is out okay so that's what i was wondering because that would be cool even if it was a garbage heap it would be interesting to see yeah but it took between 1972 and like whatever 2010 and some shout factory-esque british but you look at it and it's just everything about it is it it should be watching in film schools of like don't do this like have a script (laughs) don't film on the water for no reason because there's stuff where they're filming on the water yeah and then you see where they realize they could like film docked and kind of point the camera up and see this blue sky yeah and you're like yeah don't (laughs) like movie magic it's so so weird but it's it's something like it's man I, I, you really sold me i'll tell yeah. you like i was already kind of intrigued just because like the title sounds interesting but like to actually know what it is and what it's about and also the fact that you're telling me now that the movie itself is available too i mean yeah i am a sucker for a good terrible movie but i've read a couple of reviews that i i posted blips of on the website where they say like you might think that you're curious to watch the movie and they're like don't watch the movie just watch the documentary <laughs> see but you know that's just you're just really begging me to watch the movie when you say <laughs> yeah. that like i already was going to now you're trying to pull one of those on and me. i think the biggest thing is it's written almost sketch comedy style so it's one of those things where it's like a 90 minute movie written by people who were little parts of this movie might have been okay as a five minute sketch or yeah. whatever and it together it's very abstract is it a is comedy? It's it's supposed to be just like a comedy about a crazy guy in a pirate ship. Okay. But instead, it just went horribly, horribly wrong for everybody involved. And like a true rarity. I don't know how many times this happened. I think it was Columbia. I forget. Back in the mid-70s, they just didn't release it. They just were like, nope. Yeah. And imagine that. Usually, I think the mindset is, no matter how horrible it is, even if you're just dumping it back in the day straight to video or nowadays straight to Netflix or whatever. Mm-hmm you're getting some money back. Yeah. Like, no matter how bad the movie is, especially, I think, in the video store days, Oh yeah, get one copy on the shelf in every it, video store in North America. Even That's something. just in, like, the Philippines and stuff. Because, like, there's some stuff where it only got a video release in, like, Colombia or some random place. And yeah. that's, or like Greece or whatever, and that's it. And it never got a region one, as it were, release. That's the stuff that fascinates me because then it's out there, but it's not really out there, you know? And there's like right. a, a VHS rip with like hard-coded Spanish subtitles or something. Well, what was the, uh, was it Theodore Rex? The movie that Whoopi had to do because she, oh. by mistake, got contractually obliged yeah. to do as it? as opposed to Rawhead Rex, the uh, yes. not particularly great Clive Barker film. So I remember that movie, and it's so weird. I'm like, where did I hear about that movie? Because it was before the internet, and I guess maybe there was some article in a Entertainment Weekly or a movie magazine that I was reading, and I was dying to see this movie. Yeah. And it didn't get a theatrical release. So when one day I'm in a Rogers video and I see the coming next month mm-hmm. and there's theodore rex i was so excited to see i can this picture the movie. cover still <laughs> but that's an example of they're like well we made it and yeah. it's terrible and we lost a bunch of money we have to at least mm-hmm. release it and we're going to make a little bit of money yeah because if every rogers video and every blockbuster in north america buys one copy at 50 bucks or 75 bucks mm-hmm. that's going to make us money back eventually you know what's funny is i have a specific memory of seeing it at the grocery store 
like oh, growing wow. up in small town, there was like one of those bunks, you know, standalone thing just for that movie. And it was Theodore Rex. And I like remember that. And I think that's kind of the same idea of what you're saying. They're just like, put it anywhere, put it, who cares, you know, because that's, you might actually do better at a grocery store than you would at like a video well, store. The last time we went across the border was for our last round of Saturday morning cartoons, or maybe it was one before that. But just for fun, we were like, and I always forget how close the States is to us. Mm-hmm. So we went on this little 45 minute road trip to New York State, across the border to get a bunch of American cereal. And we stopped in at in the same kind of outdoor mall complex, stopped in at a dollar store and they had dollar Blu-rays. And on the poster, mm. they have like, we have Spider-Man and this and that. So they probably have one copy of all the good stuff. Yeah. So by the time I got there, I got... Theodore Rex, please tell oh, me Oh, I know, Rex. I wish. The funny thing is I got a movie called Fright Night 2, which upon hmm. picking up, I thought was Fright Night 2 from the 80s. Ah, uh, yeah. This is a different Fright Night 2, technically... The sequel to the David Tennant Fright Night oh. with a different subtitle and all different actors. What? It was a dollar. Yeah. So that's You an don't example. say. So, but they had all this stuff and the cart was half full. So that must be, man. It's like, very optimistic of you. We're going to make this movie and I guess sell it to netflix and dollar stores yeah but on blu-ray in a dollar store what's funny is that fright night 2 the original has never gotten a legit release uh, oh, wow. from my knowledge I and mean, there's a few kind of like that where i think there's maybe knockoff you know out there right. on demand stuff but i don't think that ever got because it's one of those weird in between movies it's not fright night which is this huge classic it does have a pedigree you know people do like it but it's just one of those in between you know like return of the living dead 2 kind of thing yeah and so that business model is we're just going to put it out there and get something. <laughs> so for the so to shelve a movie completely <laughs> yeah. is crazy to me. Yeah. No, and it's it, it really like for me, like that does make me want to see it even more. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Because <laughs> we're stupid. Yeah. Even though you're telling me uh, terrible things about this. Don't watch that movie. Go to our Mayfair video store and watch some stuff Do there. Do you still have it? <laughs> Fright Night 2? Oh, yeah. Fake Fright Night Fake 2. Fright Night. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I-, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those movies where it was a random vampire movie. Yeah. And they slapped Fright Night 2 on it the same way they did American Psycho 2 or <laughs> Cruel Intentions 2 oh, or something God. like that. These are all great shout-outs. I think it was a Cruel Intentions 3, and that also had a spinoff TV show that only got the pilot and Manchester yeah. Prep. And a lot of this stuff was just stuff that they slapped a title on afterwards, yeah. which is so... Even more insane. Like, I love that I couldn't think of Christopher Nolan earlier, but <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes, Cruel Intentions <laughs> spinoff, Manchester Prep. Okay, I'm going to give a recommendation because I remembered to watch something cool since we were last here. That was smart. Gwen and I watched a movie starring, I always call her Mass Canada, but Lupita Nyong'o. Okay. It's Miss Canada, I thought you were saying. <laughs> Miss Canada. Like, who Mass the Canada. hell is that? It's an Australian light horror film in the Shaun of the Dead style called Little Monsters. And it caught my oh, eye yeah, yeah. Good because movie. we tried to get that movie a year ago, six months yeah. ago, and we couldn't because, and this is an interesting point to make to people who think we can just get anything. Yeah. They didn't have a North American distributor. So yeah. it only got released in, I would guess, probably Europe, Australia mm. area. And I think Hulu got that in the States eventually. I think so. Yeah. I can't even remember what I watched on either Prime or Crave, one uh-huh. of those things. I really liked it. It was good. Josh Gad was really funny in that. Josh Gad was funny, and it was a true horror with zombies. It was just funny. The the key of good characters who you will be sad if they die. Mm -hmm. You know, a simple enough story, but a different story for horror that I hadn't seen before. She's really good at it. Yeah, definitely. And it kind of came out of nowhere. So I don't think a lot of people have seen this. So that's a movie that is kind of 
Mayfair style with an asterisk because mm-hmm. we tried to screen this movie. I was even like not begging you to get it, but I was like, this is good. We should try to get yeah. this. People are talking. So, so you like two movies called Little Monsters then is what you're saying. Yeah. So this is not the Howie Mandel, Freddy Savage classic. <laughs> Sad. Star of the Wizard. Star of the Wizard. Able to bring that full Yeah, circle. this is a new Australian film, Little Monsters. Yeah, that was good. I liked it. I watched Equinox from 1970. I uh, rewatched that. Real big fan. That was the one that was a big influence in Evil Dead. I mean, it was like Dennis Muren who went on to do effects for Star Wars. And a bunch of like Ed Begley Jr. was the cameraman. <laughs> it's like, it's just so, such a random movie. But, and that, that was a great Criterion release as well. The fascinating thing about that is that the, it was a student film in 67 that they made for two and a half years. And then basically a producer came in, shot a bunch of new stuff, put it into a real movie and put that out. That's what everyone's familiar with. And I just, I just love that. Same with Evil Dead. I love movies where people you can see the heart on screen just very geeky and fun i also watched uh, justice league dark one and two those r-rated justice league cartoons oh yeah essentially which were really cool and it's funny like to see adult content like that handled well and then finally which brings to a second point so i watched this movie that you would i think really like it's called highway to hell Okay. It was, I think, 91. Have I you ble- seen that? I must have seen that. So I think it's getting a release, like a Blu-ray soon or something like that. I, I don't remember the release history, but basically like it's these two young kids or, or youngish kids are on the run to go and get married kind of thing, trying to go to Vegas. And then they take a shortcut, which is never a good idea. And so they go past this old man who runs a gas station, like kind of last gas for miles. And he's sort of like, oh, you know, when you go past the two trees, don't stop till you're past the second one. You can see where this is going. So they stop after the first one. And then basically this hell cop, like literally a cop from hell, comes out of nowhere, takes the girl and disappears. And so the guy has to like figure out how to get through to the highway to hell. So he, you know, eventually does. And then so it's just like this chase through hell of him trying to get his girl back. And there's a bunch of cool monsters and stuff. It was particularly interesting because it had Jerry Stiller in it. And as well as Ben Stiller, Amy Stiller, like the whole Stiller family had little cameos. I don't really know why, but anyway. And so that was like two days before Jerry Stiller passed. You know, RIP, so we get that going for us. But very Josh movie, very cool creatures. I think I've seen that when I was way too young to see it on VHS back in the day. That sounds familiar. Because it's kind of Mad Maxy a little bit. And there's like a scene with like a hundred Volkswagen bugs driving in the desert, which is like a very cool visual. Fun tie-in with that to get it back to Friday the 13th as well is that Hellcop was played by CJ Graham, who played Jason in Jason Lives, which is my favorite one as well. Looking that up, I found that that guy has only been up. He was in the Alice Cooper Man Behind the Mask music video. So, you know, kind of doesn't count. But so in 86, he's in Jason Lives. 91, he's in Highway to Hell. Then he was in nothing else until last year when he was in Friday the 13th Vengeance, which was essentially a fan film. But he played Mr. Voorhees, who's been hinted at in various things. But it was basically a sequel to part six. So they yeah. ignored the rest of them. So I was like, it was this weird deep dive where like that guy, he's been in three movies in... 30 years for whatever it is. And it's just, it's like such a random career. And then as a, a tie into that, he's also playing himself in a movie that's shooting right now, or, or would have been, I guess called 13 fanboy, which is about actors from the Friday the 13th films playing themselves who are being stalked by a super fan of the series. And it's written and directed by the star of Friday the 13th fifth, whose actual name is Deborah Voorhees. That's crazy talk. And insane. And I just like, I just look, I was like, oh, CJ Graham, what's he been in? And I go in this weird deep dive to all this stuff. But yeah, Highway to Hell, you would definitely love that. And then final quick points. This is the one year anniversary of Kawhi Leonard hitting the shots heard around the world <laughs> to bring it back to Raptors who I haven't mentioned in weeks. So I feel like I get one. Uh, secondly, my podcast lesson for my friend's high school class went really well. We did that on Friday and like, that was good. I didn't misstep, tried not to interrupt him too often. 
finally, a very quick story. When I was here last week, I found a abandoned box that ended up having an electric toothbrush in it. And it had this woman's address on it. Basically, you know, Josh knows this already, but I followed the address, which was not far from here. I biked this, just this random lady and I knocked on the door and was like, are you missing a package? And so it was this $200 toothbrush and I just handed it to her and she gave me two bottles of wine and was like, you saved me so much money. Thank you so much. It was just this bizarre, small world thing. Why would I even have noticed that? Why would somebody have thrown that into our alleyway? Why would any of these things happen? But I was able to make that woman's day. So I know that's like a lot to pack into the last two minutes of the podcast. Yeah, you made the podcast go 10 minutes longer than it should. I'm sorry, but those are great stories. So I feel that we're even now. So thanks for listening, everybody. Support local business as you can. Our friends at House of Targ, I think they're out of pierogies, but... Oh, no. Because of you, probably. Probably, yeah. But pay attention because places like House of Targ, like Black Squirrel Books, all kinds of other places have various delivery methods. Mm-hmm. Keep on going to the Mayfair Video Store, Mayfair Virtual Cinema. We got four movies there now, possibly more to come. Thanks for checking in with us on all the social media. There's mm-hmm. lots of new faces chirping up and giving yeah. us thumbs up and, and saying not hello. actually chirping us which is great uh-huh. and uh we'll be back next week for another podcast and probably no new news of what we're going to open nice. i still think that's a little while away but we don't uh, want to jinx it but uh stand by it'll be soon it'll happen there'll be movies again we can't wait but keep watching online till then yes Yay. bye bye oh, i wonder what box will be out in the alleyway today maybe <laughs> there'll be like some fun blu-rays puppies i said fright night too i don't want this do you remember the most terrifying night of your life? Well, steady your nerves. You're white as a sheep. And prepare yourself for a shock. Because if you were scared before... It's not really over it. Imagine how scared you'll be now. Welcome to Fright Night. You can say that again, partner. Yes, Fright Night Part 2. It's happening again. Such a thing simply couldn't happen twice, Charlie. Can I have a bite? It is happening again. Here come the vampires. Got off the slab at the morgue just to be here tonight. There goes the neighborhood. I can hardly go breaking into my neighbor's apartments, accusing them of being vampires. They'll stop at nothing to get what they came for. I'd kill for a cup of coffee. Enjoy a delicious evening of thrills and chills. Come join in the devilish doings of Fright Night Part 2 as Roddy McDowell returns to do the job he does best. I kill vampires. Fright Night Part 2. You scream your head off.